Welcome everyone to the Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to talk to you about the Watchmen on HBO panel at New York Comic Con. Pete, this was the panel that was giving me worries in my tum-tum in the days, nay, (laughs) weeks leading up to Comic-Con. My worry was that we were going to get frozen out of it, that, you know, let's put in for the lottery, and then we did, and we didn't win. Um, And then, you know, are are we going to have a situation where we try and tap in, and it'll say, sorry, son, you know, we're only giving away 3,000 seats, and you're a 3,001 and 3,002 but no, we tapped in, we got there, um, and got, you know, because we know the big secret in the main stage, which is go all the way to the left and you get awesome yep. seats. We had a solid view of the stage, not VIP status, but solid view of the stage and an even better view of one of the, uh, one of the screens upon which the whole first episode would be shown. Well, we were only about four rows back from the reserved section, and many people were ushered in once the lights went out um, to watch that premiere episode that won't be available on HBO until Sunday, October 20th, when we'll be bringing you our entire um, full podcast of that. Uh, But we were asked the entire venue was asked by HBO not to reveal things. Um, You know, they said you can say that it's great. This isn't a true embargo, Matt. We weren't asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement or anything like that. But in the spirit of the thing, and when Alan Moore, who can actually hurt you with magic, is involved (laughs) in this, and uh, Damon Lindelof, series uh, creator and showrunner, explaining that he's not even allowed to say Moore's name <laughs> by not saying Moore's name. Um, you know, introducing the uh, the pilot. Um, you know, not rehashing, but using elements of the the letter we had read on our Watchmen prod- podcast uh, previously talking about, you know, being 13 years old and his father giving him the first issue, first two issues of Watchmen and saying, you're not ready for this and leaving the room. You know, he was not ready for us to see this, but at the same time, he was ready for us to see it and being able to introduce that and tee it up before uh, we got to see what I think we both agree is a really, really excellent start to this Uh, anticipated series I guess because I never read the comic uh, when it came out uh, I was too young to know of it too young to expose to it It, the comic always took place in the past it was never in the present time right you know I wasn't reading it in in the 80s and I knew that the pilot for this show was taking place in roughly the present day indeed it takes place in 2019 um, I was not prepared for it to have such a vigorous, forceful, and um, uh, kind of forward-facing discussion about the world that we live in through this alternate world, which has costumed people and you know is is an extension of the world of the comic book. So all of that, all of that grandeur, all of that wackiness. 
um, it's it's astonishing and sobering what they're able to do and still make it an action adventure hour of TV while also really digging deep into some really pertinent modern issues. And not only that, and, and we can actually discuss some of the elements discussed by Lindelof elsewhere, uh, not going to give you new details that weren't in that reporting uh, just yet until everybody's had an opportunity to see it. But I was over the moon in the way that they match the comic in terms of look for a live action situation. I mean, they, they give you the chapter number, they give you the title. It looks like it's coming off the panels of the graphic novel. Asterisk not in an overly slavish way. And I don't yep. mean to suggest a jab at, uh, at Zack Snyder. Indeed. I think some of the weakest areas of the movie are when he overly adapts, you know, let's take this one panel in the prison where we see, uh, two people fighting. Now let's turn it into a three minute slow-mo fight sequence. Um, but it feel this feels like an adaptation of, that second volume of the Watchmen comic mm. that never got made by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, or, you know, that, that does, that was made in our imagination. You just never read it, that sort of thing. And, you know, the ensuing panel afterward, they talked so much on how they tried to, you know, they would have the, the graphic novel on set and be setting up some of the Easter eggs. And, you know, there's the panel we're going to imitate. And it comes across in the piece itself and then in their discussion, just how tremendously reverent they are towards the original work. There are mysteries aplenty in this episode. There are things that there are things that when we properly podcast it off after the episode has been broadcast on October 20th, uh, I'm glad Pete that we have set up for ourselves the schedule of Watchmen Wednesdays because we were having a discussion afterwards. I think this character, blah, blah, blah. I think that character, to, it's, it's to that level, almost the Lostian level. You know, I think that as much as Lost is the great TV love of my, of my 20s, um, there were times where maybe it was a little too much jam-packed with uh, Easter eggs. Maybe some of that in the third season where they weren't, they were all middle. There was no more beginning to do and there was no more setting up anything for the end. So, uh, I don't know, let's do another Sawyer flashback. Maybe, you know, th things of that sort. But there's so much in that hour of TV, in this pilot, where you can dig and dig and dig and reach certain conclusions and then say, wait, what if the opposite conclusion is there? And, I mean, just absolutely engrossing. You know, so much has been discussed. Why set this where you are in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, instead of New York City, like the original and, you know, um, seeing some of those things. And, and Lindelof talked about, you know, he, he did not want to borrow from it, but make it feel like a natural extension. And the world building that's done there, and considering, again, this alt universe that they have created for themselves, um, springing from the original, but the Tulsa 
massacre of 1921 being a real thing, being a thing that many people, uh, myself included, shockingly unaware of, um, bringing that to light, which is what great art does, and then using that as the springboard for this timely discussion about um, white supremacists, about uh, police brutality and the access that police have to firearms and when and when they shouldn't uh, be able to discharge them. Body cameras, um, you know, whether whether police, uh, you know, are properly using their mandate uh, for search and seizure, interrogation, et cetera, or not. Just a litany of timely things. And this is in the pilot alone in in the early bits of the pilot you know pete as you were talking in real time i flashed back to a comment that i got you know before i was podcasting with you and i was podcasting solo doing looking back at lost i got an email from somebody saying can you please not bring in these challenging real world topics like uh like religion uh, or uh, ethnicity into your discussion of Lost. And it's like, Lost is a show that's got a Muslim character, it's got a Christian character, it's got an atheist character, but I'm not supposed to talk about religion. Similarly, I was not fully prepared that in our Watchmen podcast, it's not going to be a podcast about race division, about police uh, rights versus police overreach. It's not going to be a podcast about uh, gun access versus gun limitations. It's not going to be a, a podcast about white supremacy, but that's what this show is about. And get ready when you watch this show and get ready in this podcast that, you know, we're not going to be leading the discussion into those topics. The show is leading yeah. its viewers into reflecting on those topics. And I don't want to spoil it here, but I think it'll be interesting. I suspect, let me put it this way, I suspect, Pete, that they're going to present a mix and match thing where it's not necessarily going to be, let's do what everybody in the red seat says that is good or that is bad, or let's do the blue seat plan. And that I think it's going to be, Hey, if you mix things together, we still have issues we need to work through. Yeah. And there's just so much to dig into. Um, but in particular, the thing that you come away from the pilot understanding is that Regina King kicks butt. Her presence in the show and her presence on stage, I mean, there is your, your what-if factor. There is your ethereal star quality. There is that thing that translates from, you know, filming and wearing a costume and there's a makeup person and you know on the other side of the camera there's somebody in craft services setting up turkey sandwiches and all of that fake and there she is real as the character there she is on stage real as herself and it's just that magic of tv and movies and a couple things came across in the ensuing panel when they brought her out first damon lindelof i had no idea of this matt and i'm an enormous fan of the guy he apparently has a rule where he will not work with the same actor twice which he broke to bring regina king uh from the leftovers to uh watchman 
side note, I think some people have a rule about just not working with Matthew Fox again, but I think that's, I don't think that's Damon Lindelof's rule. <laughs> um, but yeah, the way he described the only person he could imagine for this role was her. He communicated that to her. Um, he sent the script directly to her, which is not what one normally does. Normally it's the agent and the agent looks at it with the manager and then there's the this and the that and the other. And then people say, excuse me, Regina, we think this is a good idea. Look, we have justified our presence in your life. Um, the fact that it was this Lindelof to King connection here really speaks to how perfect he thought she was for the role. And the, the letter inside the script that he had handwritten here. Don't, don't open this and until, you know, you, you reach this point. And, uh, she came back to the letter. She, she prefaced it with, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to it and talked about the, the complication of this character that she's never played a, a woman this complicated. And, you know, we've seen the tip of the iceberg of her complication and it, and it is complex. And I'm so, excited to learn more about Angela Abar, um, Sister Knight, throughout the season of Watchmen. But to come back to the letter, she uh, she reaches the point where she can open it, and it is an artist rendering of her as the character. And, you know, understand the the Hollywood gland hatting that, that goes on there, right? Here's Here's what you would look like in the role. There's a little bit of feeding the ego, but it, it came across as this tremendously authentic situation. And, you know, she, she took the role and, you know, I, I think you're going to be looking at an, an Emmy nomination. I'll mention too, Pete, and, and this, I guess this is covering something not said in the pilot. So we're still sticking to the soft embargo, but, uh, at the panel, uh, Jeremy Irons was introduced as the person you think he's playing. <laughs> uh, then there was the a person deadline. you probably think he's he's playing. In in fairness, <laughs> yeah, and that that was like, oh, okay, haha, everybody thinks he's playing Adrian Veidt, Ozymandias. Uh, deadline had an interview with Lindelof that they actually um, did on the when uh, did on the Thursday, um, and I think it went up on the Friday. They refer to you know Jeremy Irons as Ozymandias. And um, Lindelof's response was, we have not officially confirmed that. Now, initially, I was like, oh, I'm going to zero in on officially because, ha, 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 he's clearly Ozymandias. I just want to put forth a theory right now, Pete. This is two separate data points where people have said, you know, both the person introducing him at Comic-Con yeah. and Lindelof in this interview, that they've said, what you think is probably correct, which makes me think, Pete, we, let's all start to think outside the box what if he's not Ozymandias somehow? Well, thinking more about something Matt uh, theorized once we had watched the pilot, I think there's a little bit more going on. Uh, it's in the trailers. It is in the first episode. The headline from the newspaper, Adrian Veidt officially declared dead. Um, there is no more discussion past that headline. Jeremy Irons' character, whoever it is, appears in the pilot. Uh, no one refers to him uh, by name. So there's all that to consider. And the idea of being declared dead uh, in light of what Matt has since 
theorized, and I'm not going to, I can't tell you his theory at this point, um, I think is an interesting possible avenue that could be explored there. Um, I'll just add, Pete, there's, there are probably people listening saying, no, just go ahead and share your theory, to which <laughs> here's my response. No, you go ahead and watch the pilot much as we have. Part of the reason we're leaving this space from Sunday nights to Watchmen Wednesdays is let's have that discussion. You want to be proactive and email and tweet, DM, whatever. Fine. If you know, I don't know what point, Pete, we put stuff out there that's and I'll and I'll, I'll interact with people if the, I I have a little bit. I I, I am going to greatly respect um, the the request there because I think so much of it. I mean, listen, that that aside, I consume every spoiler on this show I can. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about it in a little bit when they were introducing the cast after the pilot had uh, been screened, you know, the, the last chair and our speculation, which which we'll get to. So that that aside, though, um, we want you to have the very same experience Matt had. Yeah, and like my thought could be wrong. I think it's an interesting discussion to have. It doesn't help anybody because we've read ahead for you, dear listener, to hear, oh, I think that blah, 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 blah. You know, maybe other people will think it and that'll become the most popular theory of week one. Maybe I'll be alone and completely wrong. I don't know. But let's ha let's all have that discussion together after the episode is aired. Uh, Pete, let's bring it back to this pilot. I don't know how to mention this next thing without potentially spoiling people too. Well, um, I, I have a way to, I have a way to do it, Matt. So in every sense and the actor himself not appearing in this pilot, but, uh, the, the spirit of Michael Keaton is at long last honored in this pilot episode. I'll just add Lindelof has finally honored that spirit. We could talk <laughs> more about that. Um, uh, we could talk more about that in the, in, in the one-on-one pilot. Pete, this great parade of cast out there to, to know that I was in the same room, albeit a giant convention room that seats 3000 people and has plenty of space between the great unwashed first row and then the, the stage itself and, and whatnot. But I was in the same room as Jeremy Irons, um, as Bruce Lewis Gossett Gossett Jr. Jr. Man, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, just, and, and the excitement of the crowd to see them and the outfit that only Jeremy Irons could, uh, could, could carry across. I mean, Matt, in the, in the space of, not even 24 hours, we, we saw Jeremy Irons and, and Patrick Stewart, arguably two of the greatest exports. Legends, indeed they are, Pete. And to see, uh, to see Jeremy Irons, see Regina King, see the whole cast up there was you know just incredibly exciting. Uh, much was made of the fact that there is an empty chair at the end, and that had us speculating... Um, Who's going to be in that empty chair? Pete, I know we both know who that ended up being, but do you want to hear what my guess was in real time? 
I already know what your guess is. I, I gather the listeners would like to hear. Well, there you go. So as has been made clear by the preview, Robert Redford is president in the show. And I was saying, oh, my goodness, Pete, we are going to be in the same presence as, you know, Hollywood legend Robert Redford. They're going to bring him out to say, and he's in the show, too. And it might only be, you know, in a little couple scenes here and there uh, because it's far off. But Robert Redford, Pete, that was my guess. And coming on the heels of Ryan Reynolds showing up on Thursday, a couple of years ago, Harrison Ford crashed the Thursday. That prediction made a lot of sense. Um, I've been teasing on the podcast and, and with Matt, uh, the Dr. Manhattan actor. I've still not disclosed who that is to Matt, but I thought for certain that's who we were going to see. Instead, Pete, the big reveal was penciler and spiritual co-author of the graphic novel, Dave Gibbons. And there's no letdown in that. Um, Personally, I think you don't build that up. Rather, you introduce him as everybody else is coming out instead of making it a, a gimmick. So if there was any misfire that went on with the, the panel a small one there and even there one born out of the respect and love that they have for this work and how, how much they have tried to make it look like the original. All in all, a fantastic panel, super exciting. And it's, it's, it's gotta be difficult for any of these big channels, let alone HBO that now is being surrounded by FX and Netflix and all these other, competitors for really top-tier television hey let's make the next great show hey let's use warner brothers ip hey let's make a tv show sequel to one of the greatest novels of the 20th century it looks like they're doing all that and they're doing it exceedingly extensively well they are and uh to think we have these nine episodes mentioned at the panel was that this could be the only season but there will be more if the fans demand it so fans watch this uh watch it again uh live tweet about it uh get your your feelings out there about it let hbo know you're watching and you're ready for more pete exciting times here in the world of watchmen how can people be in touch with you to talk about their anticipation of this show you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 10,674 followers can't be wrong and while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash FantasticGeek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. Pete, we're in the final countdown. We'll probably do one more kind of season preview. Then we will be talking Watchmen. Don't forget, it's going to be coming out on Watchmen Wednesdays. The premiere is Sunday, October 20th. So plenty of breathing time in there. You want to go back and re-watch. You want to, you know, not able to watch on a Sunday. Going to hit it Monday morning. Get those thoughts in via our contact stuff. 
this is absolutely a show built for that discussion, built for having theories that you pick up, that you discard, that you build on, that you build around. Super excited to dig into this. Uh, and I can't wait for it, but I know it's time to end this podcast, so I'm going to say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. It's summer and we're running out of ice. <laughs>